you may be, may be seated at this time. Praise God. We're going to continue tonight on the topic, are you hurting or helping the church? Are you helping or hurting the church? And just to review a little bit to bring you up to where I want to come in tonight, we've been talking about the reason the title was given that way and not singularly. Are you hurting the church? We all know there are areas that we can get better in. Amen? Are you helping the church? We all know things that we do that are pleasing to God and beneficial to the body of Christ and beneficial to the church. But God never deals with us in a way where you can be either or. He always deals with us that you're going to be one or the other. Okay? It's not... I, I, I'm, 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 I'm helping today and hurting tomorrow, or, or, or I'm good today and evil, you know, later on in the day. The Bible says, and we talked about and read these scriptures where it says that God said, Jesus Christ said, you are either for me or what? Or against me. Jesus said, I wish that you were hot or cold. One of the two, because a lukewarm person, the person that filled it or lived the life that they're in between, what did he say about that person? It makes him sick. It makes him sick. And we use the analogy of on a hot day, when you go to get a cold beverage, you don't want it to be lukewarm. When on a wintry morning, you stop past Starbucks, get your coffee, and they bring it to you, or they give you the cup, and you take the first taste, you don't expect for it to be lukewarm. You want it hot or cold, because otherwise it's no good to you. So when we talked about that, we talked about everybody has two options in everything in life. It, God made it really, really simple. You have two options. You're either going to live right, or you're not going to live right. You can be righteous, or you can be evil. It's just, that's, that's just the way it is. And he expects you to pick one. So you have the ability to make a choice. But the choice that you make just does not just affect you. It affects many, many people. One choice, one choice you make can affect you, your family, your friends, your circle, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but it can be from generation to generation to generation. It has been proven that when a person gets saved, if they are a true believer, that if you watch that family tree grow from that point, it might have been hell and sin and everything going on before then, but when that one person, when great-grandma got saved, when granddaddy got saved, and he brought righteousness to his home and raised up righteous children. And those righteous children raised up righteous children that the family tree changes. Everybody might not fall into it, but it changes something. It changes something. And so after we, we, we got through that, we started to talk about over in 1 Kings. I think that's what we ended up on Sunday. You don't have to go there. 1 Kings chapter 18. And we looked at. Elijah with the uh, prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And it ended up, well, after we saw that first, something else happened. 
when you get too deep into falling away from God, you start to get confused about what's helpful and, and, and what's hurtful. Really do. I mean, if you, if you get too much into yourself, you, it's easy to lose the perspective of reality. I'll give, I'll give you a good example. Anybody here parents, have kids? All right. All right. Check this out. At some point, that little kid grow up, usually somewhere right maybe before the teenage years, 10 years old, 12 years old. The way it is now, they start doing things we were doing at 18. They start doing it at 8, 2. But that kid or that teenager will begin to expect that you owe them something because they made up their bed or they cleaned their room or they cut your grass or they took out your trash. It's like, I did this. What are you going to do for me? Let me ask you something. Y'all don't think it. But I saw in myself where you can begin to think that God owes you something because of what you've done. You come to church a lot. You pray for people. You pay your tithes. And because of that, you can think, well, God, you know, I, I got the right to do a little bit of this over here. This is fun. I know it might not be real pleasing, but it's fun, and I got the right. My God. Now, we, do we say that out of our mouth? But do God listen to our mouth? God listen to our what? Our heart is what speak to God. That's why I think we get in trouble with that a lot because we think the things that we say to God, God don't have to know all these different languages. He speak one language, the heart. The language of the heart. Because you can say one thing. How, what did he say over there? I think in the fourth chapter of John. He said, your lips are moving. Your lips are praising me. Your lips are worshiping me. But what? Your heart is will. Far from me. He ain't listening to your lips. And so tonight, I, I want to look at the next part of this. And I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. I am so thankful to the pastors. I, I really do. The more I study this lesson, I, I, really, um, I really can see how the greatest protection that any pastor or any leader can give a congregation is to preach against sin. Because how many know the Bible says the wages of sin is what? You can't play around with this. You cannot play around with this. Sin is the entryway to destruction. And the greatest protection that any leader, and I said that because not only the pastors, if you are a parent, in your home, the greatest protection. If you are a husband or a wife, if you are an employer or supervisor, the greatest protection you can put around the people that you are responsible for is to deal with sin. What's that mean? I got to preach to them. Preach with your lifestyle. Preach the way you live. The way you live will be word enough because people, people are tired of hearing people talk. They want to see people living. First John Chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Okay. All right. I want to play with this a minute. When we left 1 Kings 18, remember after 
Elijah called down God, and he came down with fire, and he, he took up and burnt up and consumed the offering, consumed the stones, licked up all the water around the, around the altar. Remember, the people were told by Elijah that the reason that this calamity, this drought has been upon you for three years was because of your evilness. You've chosen to serve and worship. You've been fiddling around with another God, Baal, right? Okay, so... Because of this, and he went and Elijah told him, said, you no longer go and give thanks to God and you no longer go and repent of your sins because the altar that was, was built up for the Lord to do this consumption with had to be rebuilt by Elijah because it had, weeds have grown up. It's torn down. The people aren't repenting. They aren't thanking God. So here at the end of this, when they saw the mighty power of God, they saw God come down and do this mighty work. It said the people said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They just kept saying that. Is that a real repentance, though? And let me ask you something. According to what he just read, read it again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, so does that mean that after I didn't send up the place, after I've lived a wayward life, that all I have to do, be careful, all I have to do is say, Lord, forgive me. I confess. I was wrong. I got a lot of smiles, but I ain't got that one answer. I mean, that's, it, that's all it is to it, right? Huh? Ain't that all it is to it? Well, that's what we do. That's what we do. And we go, well, let me tell you. Can I let the Bible show you what, that's, what that scripture means? How many people, without looking, know what the previous four or five verses say? We know that scripture, 1 John chapter, chapter 1, 1 and 9, real good, right? If I confess, Lord, you said if I confess my sins unto you, that you would forgive me and that you would be faithful to what? Not only to forgive me, but cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Anybody ever prayed that before? I have. But let's look at verses 5 through 9 and see how it lines up after we read the other verses. Verse 5. Verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. How much darkness is in God? None at all. So that makes him holy. Yes. That makes him holy. He don't do Does he want to get touched or contaminated with sin? Can he? No. No. Absolutely no. There's only light in God. There's no darkness in him at all. That's going to be huge in a minute. Read on. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Okay. I know a lot of times when I talk to people that you, because that, that scripture says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And as soon as we think about lying, we think about something coming out of your mouth. And that last part, we kind of interpret it as, and, and we don't say the truth. But it's, you don't do the truth. You don't do the truth. If you don't fellowship with God in the light and in the light only, you cannot do truth. I don't know if you grabbed that, but you can't do what's right. 
You can go through the motions. You can go out in accordance to your own will. You can hold out for a certain period of time. But the truth is not in you. Come on, man. Minister, I told you, you're either for him or you're against him. Read a little bit more. Verse 6. Okay. Verse 6. Oh, that's verse 6. Read, read verse 6 again. Then. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Okay, verse 7 is the answer to is that all we have to do is verse 9. Is all we have to do is just confess our sins and then we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me show you how you get cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Read verse 7. But if we walk in the light. If we what? If we walk in the light. Read. As he is in the light. So it's not the way we think that the light's supposed to be. We don't walk the way we think Christianity is supposed to be. We don't walk and say things like, you know, I believe that that's all right. We have a book that tells us what's all right and what's not all right. So we can't walk according. I don't think that this will bother nobody. You can't walk like that. You got to walk according to what this book has said and the way it has told us that we're supposed to walk. When we walk like that, read. Starting from the beginning, verse 7. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And what? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Do that give you, did that, did that, do you get that? Can you really get that? So when do you get cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ according to when we say, now read verse 9. Verse 9. Was that 8? No. Read 8 then. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Read. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now that should give us a new perspective of what confessing means. Confessing is not just you saying something out of your mouth. Confessing your sins means you're not going to do it no more. You turn around. Repentance means to turn around, to turn away. And that's what God is saying. When you come to a realization that what you're doing is wrong, and the first thing that has to happen is you have to, you really, really have to want to see yourself. This, is, this could be a hard message, except I'm preaching about myself. I know what I'm talking about on this. Because you can walk around and think you're all right, but you're not all right. You're not all right. Mighty God have given you a mighty power. He lives inside of us. We could be doing more than what we're doing if we're putting our God on display. We're talking about this mighty God we serve, and we're holding the banner of God up high, but we're not doing nothing with it. I was looking tonight as we were coming in. Thank God for Sister Joyce. Sister Joyce had the church van full because her heart was, I got to get people to come. I got to get what I do. I don't do everything. I don't do, I, 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 I'm not the best preacher. I might not be the best this, but I tell you one thing I know I can do. I can go through my neighborhood and I can be like the pipe piper. I can get every kid that's walking on the street, then get them on that bus and not a parent will say, no, don't bring them. That bus was full. I heard we had 70 people here last night at the Vacation Bible School. Somebody ought to thank God for Jesus. This is the message that those kids need to hear can change their life. Now what about if Joyce was doing her part and we were doing our part? I'm not saying you're not. How many people were praying for the Vacation Bible class? 
Anybody fast? You don't know what to raise that. Anybody fasting for? Anybody got a thought came to him? Let me make flyers. Let me put it on Facebook. Let me, let me, why? Because my heart, I understand how bad sin is and what it does and the destruction that it brings to lives. And if there's an opportunity that the light can shine, this is what God does. Jesus came here to seek what? And to save the lost. That was the light that he walked in. And he says that we ought to walk in the same light. All of a sudden, Christianity got so cultural, so intellectual, we forgot about winning souls. Souls, 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 the ones like you were and me. Souls lost, lost. And when you forget that, then you start to get confused about what's helping and what's hurting. I told y'all, I got saved. I wanted to change my life in the place where I was. They hooked me up with some deacons. All that the best they could do was take me drinking. And I really didn't even drink. I got a club soda, and it, I told you, it cost me $6. <laughs> that was in the 80s. And I'm saying, I could have got me a nickel bag of weed. I could do better than this. If I want to enjoy myself, if I want to do this, why is it now? You know, what, you know what that gave me? It showed me, to me, the church was in the church. People went to church, but they really wasn't having a good time. They, they really wanted to be back out in the world. They just went to the church thing because that's the right thing to do, but it, it ain't the thing that you really want to do. And I, but I still can't blame them. I went back out into the world. I, I can't blame them for that. That's my fault. But God knows, saints, we can be a better witness. We can really be a better witness. Getting back to this confession thing. Without naming, naming a religion, there's a doctrine that, that, that says that you can, can come and confess to a person. And that person can tell you what you need to do to be relieved of your sin. That's the biggest lie. But you see how big and how easy that is to catch on? Why? Because it doesn't cost you nothing. It doesn't cost you anything. That means I can go and I can sit up the place and then all I got to do is go and confess what I did and I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm clean, man. I, my slate is clean. I can go dirty up the, my heart again all the night. And what? Tomorrow I just go back, or next week I just go back, or next month. First thing they ask you is, how long has it been since you, since you confessed the last stuff? Oh, it's been a while. Okay, well, I got to punish you. You got to do twice as much. And y'all know what it, what it is. But that's not the way, saints. That's not it. And, and, and there's not going to be any change. Why am I on this from where I was? There can't be. That, there's a track that I've been going on that is leading to we know that what we do, the choices we make, make a difference in your life, make a difference in other people's lives. We want to help the church and not be a harm to it. We know that we have to make a choice, whatever choice we make, that we can't judge or tell God what kind of consequences we want. So all of this stuff is important, but it has to be done with a pure heart. It has
has to be done with a pure heart because every time it's not done with a pure heart and you leave any contamination in that heart, you will always go back to where you came from before. The children of Israel, they saw up there on Mount Carnal that the God that they were leaving, our God, to go and serve Baal, that Baal was totally destroyed. Totally destroyed. And we would say, boy, if I had seen that, I would have went straight then, right? Well, we saw that the devil was totally destroyed. Totally. Jesus Christ made a what? An open show of the devil. Totally destroyed him and his works and gave us a new life and a new perspective. Gave us a handle on things that now sin did not have dominion over us. And what did we do? Went right back, right back, and allow sin to get a grab on us. I don't like that. I don't like that for my life. So I'm going to challenge myself continually. You know what would be the worst thing in the world for me to preach stuff like this and then y'all catch me sinning? Now, now, wait a minute. Am I going to be perfect? But what, what should I do when I, when, if, if I sin? If I sin before you, what should I do? Repent and don't do it no more. It's not that you got to live a perfect life. But you have to live a separated life. Okay. Amen. Amen. So the answer to the question is that all you got to do is just open your mouth and just tell God, okay, God, this is what I did. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I'm sorry. Okay? Thank you. Now forgive me, God. Let me be on my way. So I'm clean now, so I got some room to build up again. It don't look like we do that, but that's what we do. I'm telling you, that's, that's what... We, I know y'all don't do it. Can I tell y'all about me? I do. I do it. I do it. And I don't even know I'm doing it. How many times have you said, you know what? It ain't good to be talking about people. But God knows the first time some juicy information come back. I mean, the first chance you get, God will show you, if you really look at your life, God will show you that when you say, you might say it in your mind, in your heart, you say, you know what, that ain't right. It ain't good to be talking about nobody like that. I'm going to stop that mess. I'm really going to stop that mess. And you go, sit down, and turn the TV on, and somebody come on the TV, <laughs> Here go, the, here go the person that's doing the weather, and you go, Lord Jesus, what in the world got into her? Who did her hair? <laughs> you then went, and man, look at that. I don't like that dress. I don't. I mean, all the money they make, they probably got people that's supposed to be dressing them. That's better for TV. And, and listen, you can go up and down that person, but I guarantee you not one time did you think, I wonder if she's saved and know who Jesus is. You see how, you see how the devil get us? Satan got us in a pocket and we don't, that's sin, saints. That is sin. How many times in the Bible, show, all y'all got Bibles, right, pretty much. If you can, go find me just one scripture where Jesus started talking about people and what they had on and how they dressed and, and it wasn't pertaining to a spiritual symbol. He talked about the Pharisees. He said, yeah. He said, y'all wear these little uh, uh, phylacteries. Y'all put scriptures in these little pouches and tie them around your head, and tie them around your leg, and wear your long gowns and stuff. But he was going somewhere with that. 
He said, you wear the scripture close to your heart, but there ain't nothing in there. He said, you put the scriptures wrapped around your head, but your mind ain't on me. So if you're going to use the people clothes, use them to the glory of God so kind of way. All right. So we're going to read a little bit more here. Did you finish? Uh, did you get to, to, to verse 9? And you read verse 10? Read verse 10. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. That, I, you know what? It's just the, the condition of the heart when you read things, it, it just makes an immense difference than when your heart is not right. How many times have we read that? Do you know how many times you, you forcibly made God look like a liar? The world knows that you're supposed to be saved. You certain stuff you're not supposed to be doing. And then the world don't know a lot of things, but they think things like this. Okay, you're, you're, you guys always talking about fire and brimstone. If you sin, you're going to be punished and all of this. Brother over there sending up the place. I don't see nothing happening to him. To the world, you make God a liar. So does God have the right to make your life miserable so he can show the world he's real and holy? How many people are living bad, hard, sorrowful, painful, sick, poor, all of those things because they just won't obey God? If you are bringing the hell in your life by the way you're living, doesn't it seem fruitless to ask God to remove it and you're bringing it in? God clean my house and you dumping bags of trash all around the sofa. God want me to get my, I want a clean house. Bring that garbage over here, uh, Johnny, just put it right there. I want my house not to stink and not to smell, but you the reason why. And you praying to God, God change it, take it away. And nothing's happening. And then you get discouraged with God and say to yourself, man, this God thing, I don't know. I mean, he ain't working for me right now. All right, let's go. Chapter 2, 1 John. Just keep reading. Chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. First One. verse. My little children, like these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This is, this, is, this is the heartbeat of the church at this time. You can see that John, being a leader of the church, his heart is my little children. He said, I'm writing to you these things that you don't sin. Why? Because he knows what sin will do to your life. He knows what it'll do to your life. He's seen it. He understands it. And that's what we have to do. Read on. Verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Okay, how many people say they know the Lord? Everybody know the Lord, don't they? 
Everybody is, is saying something about Jesus. Everybody got a cross on. Everybody getting their award saying glory to God. But the Bible say if you know him, you keep his commandments. And, 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 and listen, we don't want to hear that. This is the last message that anybody want to hear. This one right here. Because, because you done heard it before, and, 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 and you done read it before, and, and, and all of this stuff. But don't put up a hardness of your heart against it. It's for a reason. I'm telling you, calamity is on the way. And, and, and if you're going to stand when calamity comes, this can't be, this can't be something that you memorize. It's coming, saints. It's got to come. It's been prophesied. Are you... Is this your home, this world? Is this your home? Because if this is your home, I'm telling you, this is about as good as it gets. But the Bible says this is not our home. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. There's another place for us saints. Don't miss the mark that it's going to take to get to that place. Because if you think life is miserable now. See, this is the way the world looks at stuff. The world always want to fix something. Every little problem, that every big problem, every situation that's in the world, man got a way to that they think that it's going to get it right. They're going to have their peace talks with Iran. They're going to do all these things about changing marriage and how it looks. They're going to do all of this stuff. And the problem come up, they get a committee together, they get a group of people together, and they come up with man-made ideas. So God know how to get people's attention when they come up with things that man can't deal with. Man, didn't, man wasn't expecting 9-11. That earthquake that showed up in on the East Coast a few years ago, y'all weren't expecting that. When I, I that thing, me and my brother here worked together. We were, we up in the hospital, and the, and the hospital, the children's hospital started shaking. The last thing on our mind was an earthquake. Why? Because they don't happen around here. But my Bible says that God comes like a thief in the night. He don't come when you're ready, and he don't come when you're expecting him. He come in a way that he can get your attention and let him know, I am God and I am holy. I'm holy. Well, what does that mean? I'm going to jump the gun again, but I'm not going to tell you. Because <laughs> I'm going, I'm, I'm trying to get to a point where we can see in, this me in these messages is not only the confession that we have to make. And it has to be real in our heart. But why are we making that confession? Why? When you, when, you, when you ask God to forgive you, is it because his thumb is so hard on you? His hand is so hard on you? You want to, please God, give me a break. Do you know what glorifies God? When, when you know what really glorifies God? When you know you've done wrong and his hand and his anger is against you and you come to God and confess your sins and then say, God, everything I'm getting, I deserve. Because you are holy. That's what gets God. That's what glorifies God. When you're going to see, oh, God, I'm going off. But you'll see in the Bible where God would take people and they would confess their faults finally and say, God, it was me, my sin, my wrongdoing. God said, you have done well and glorified me. Now go stone him and kill him. That all may know that I'm a holy God. When you can stand before God and say, God, the stuff I'm going through right now, I deserve it. I deserve it. I did it. And most times we do it knowing it ain't right. So God, everything you give me, I deserve. But thank God for Jesus Christ. 
Thank God, Lord. I remember you said, Lord God, if I confess my sins, that you are faithful to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, God. And if you can see it in your mercy, God, to spare me some of this pain. We don't crowd to God like that. It's like getting caught and you ain't really finished doing what you got caught doing. You say you're sorry. And you are. You're sorry you got caught. But as soon as the air get clear again, soon as they give you a little bit more rope, you go out and hang yourself again. How long, saints? How long? I know life is all right for you right now. It's manageable. You see your job paying. You got an income. You got a budget. Everything is going right. The cars are running good. The house is, is in good condition. Everything is going. You got good friends, and, and you're having good vacations, and life is good. You're still doing all your church duties and everything. But God said you better watch out because sin is lying at the door. It don't give up, saints. Ever since sin came in the, in, in the third chapter of Genesis, the first book, and ever since it showed up with the entryway of man's disobedience, it ain't never stopped being sin. It ain't never stopped. It's still trying to kill you, destroy you, and steal from you today. That's all it can do. That's all it's ever done. We will not be free of sin until the day you die or Jesus Christ part the sky and take us back home to glory. Amen. We are in a fight, brothers and sisters. We're in a fight that we cannot afford to be lackadaisical. Do you see what's happening in the world today? It amazes me how things seem to happen. It's, it's like... It's just a flood of a certain thing. You know, it, I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago, somebody was boating and fell off the boat, two people. Then two days later, two more people. And it's like, it's, 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 it's like follow the leader sin. And I'm not saying that what they were doing was sin, but it's a reason why things happen. It's a reason why things happen. And God would use anything that he chooses to use to try to show us. That what you think, those people that went, went on, out on that boat that day, they had no idea they would never return. Ain't nobody in this place tonight thinking that they're going to leave here and this will be their last hour. Nobody. But we got to live. Didn't the Bible tell us to live like that? Stop making plans. Say, if the Lord be willing, I'm going to go on that vacation next week. If the Lord be willing, I'm going to get up and go to work tomorrow. If the Lord be willing, I'm going to go home and make me a snack tonight. If the Lord be willing. But we don't look at that like that because you lose the sense of how holy God is. Amen. He don't owe us nothing. Ah, can't nothing can't happen to me. I, I, I know that I'm serving the living God. He don't owe you nothing for serving him. Amen. He's done everything he needs to do when he saved your soul. If you don't get nothing else from God, is that enough? You might live here 90, 100, 110 years. They're doing things with medicine. You might even make 125. But I guarantee you won't make eternity without Christ. So why not serve him? How much, how much is this? How much time is this? 100 years here on earth. For what he said that you can't even imagine for eternity. Come on now. I don't care how good your job is. It don't pay like that. I don't care how good your boss is. He don't reward you like that. 
He don't reward you like that. And blessed be unto God while we're here on work. I mean, here on earth, it's not a burden. We're able to enjoy life and enjoy each other. All he's saying is put me first. Put me first. It just, it doesn't amaze me anymore, but it's, it, 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 it really tears at your heart when you, when you, when you see Christians and, and they're so adamant to, sh to tell you that they're a Christian and, and, and they're helping people on the job and, and, and teaching people the Bible scriptures and then the boss make them mad and they will stand in the midst of those people and cuss everybody out. Cuss them out and walk away from that just like ain't nothing happened. And then when the health go bad, when things start happening, they cry out to God. God did not, did not. You ain't got no record like Hezekiah. Check your record out all the way. Why are you preaching like this in the middle of the doctor? Because I know how close I came to doing things. Look here, the Bible says this, to whom much is given, much is what? Much is required. I could get lackadaisical if I want to. I can come up with a lot of reasons not to do stuff. But that ain't what God called me to. God called me to preach the gospel. God called me to help people. God called me to do a lot of other things, and he called you to do the same thing. What you going to do with what God has given you? We read the story about the people, the men with the talents. God has given you something, and when he returned back here to take the church home, he expects for you to have done something with what he has given you. Man, bless somebody the real way. Man, if you got a million dollars and you bless somebody with a hundred thousand dollars, what is that? You probably would bless them with a hundred thousand. Let's, let's go back. Ten thousand. A hundred thousand. They asked you money. Ain't that good? You know, this million dollars ain't gonna last forever. How, how do you know when you got too much money? Huh? That's that's it. When if you had a million dollars. Somebody bless you with a million dollars. They tell the truth, and we're going to shout. And you got a right to. Because we live in a world that run by monetary. Yeah, yeah. million dollars would be nice, right? Real nice, right? But what about 10 minutes after somebody blessed you with the million dollars, you heard the voice of the Lord say, I want you to give it to Sister Alice. <laughs> Sister Alice said, you better listen to him. <laughs> Tell me how many reasons you can come up with in 30 seconds or why Sister Allen ain't worthy to get that money. <laughs> and then after you come up with that, right, then you go, then you go tell yourself, yeah, I know, you know what? That was nobody but Satan. Because God knows I know what to do with this money. I'm going to bless some people and pay some bills. I'm going to help the church. And God want me to get that money out of my hands. Because you know what? Sister Allen, I, th I think she's trying to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, but she already got a house. She's greedy. See, I, I'm just I'm, I'm just using care. But that you'll find a way your mind is capable of coming up with whatever it takes to get you your heart's desire. So why not let your heart desire to be Jesus Christ and Jesus alone? Why not? Oh, I got plenty of time for that. Let me show you this. What verse were you at? Verse 4, read on. 
He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 5. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Man, that is. Don't you see the pattern? It doesn't change. He keeps telling you that this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. This is how you got to live. It doesn't switch gears and go somewhere else. He's telling you at the beginning, he said, this is the message that I need to give my children because it's the most important thing you could ever know is that you're going to have to live this life we talk about. You got to walk in the light. You have to live in the light. You got to talk in the light. You got to love in the light, not the light of your own, but the light of Jesus Christ. Read on. Hereby know we that we are in him. Verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to keep also to walk, even as he walked. Verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you. Hold on. Listen to what he just said. This ain't nothing new. See, he having the same problem preachers have today. This ain't nothing new. If you wish you could go, see, people want. They want something, whoo, way, no deep revelation. Crazy, did you hear what he said? I mean, God, that blew my mind. Poof. But is it going to make you live holy? I'm not knocking it. It's going to make you live holy. If you find out what the three coins and the three stones and all that mean about the three rings and the three, all of that, that's all right. But it's going to make you stop sinning. So he's saying, I can preach a lot of stuff. I walk with Jesus. I love Jesus. I saw things. But he said, this is the message that the man told me to tell you. Live holy because he's holy. Read. But an old commandment which ye had from the beginning, the old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Jesus. Verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, uh -huh. which, things is, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shining. Come on now. The darkness is gone, saints. We lived in that mess. It's gone. The true light is supposed to be in us. Read on. Verse 9. He that said he is in the light uh -huh. and hateth his brother, is in darkness even unto now. He get down with it now. He get, he's hitting us where we don't want to be hit. He's saying, look, y'all. He said, I know everybody's saying that I'm walking in the light, but you better not be hating nobody. He said, because if you're hating somebody, you have unforgiveness in your heart against somebody. Not only are you not in the, in the light now, you ain't never been in the light. You've only deceived who? Yourself. And I want you to be free. You think he's telling you this just to get you told? He wants you to be free. He wants you to receive the best of God. That's why he's preaching it like this. Read. Verse 10. He that loveth his brethren abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. No occasion. Read on. Verse 11. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth. Why? Because that darkness has blinded his eyes. See, we don't think our eyes can be blinded. We don't think it. And he's just using one normal, logical, 
little situation. He's saying, this one will get most people, I guarantee you, it's somebody you don't like. And you know how you know you don't like them? I guarantee you never prayed for them. And he's saying, if you don't like that person and you say you walking in the light, you are not walking in the light. You are full of darkness and that person is in darkness and both of y'all can't see nothing because both of you blind. God knows I've been blind. Man, people can get on your nerves, but whose nerves are you dealing with? You're supposed to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Jesus is supposed to kick in. When somebody do you wrong, you get mad, you start to think, and something's supposed to rise up and say, that ain't who you are. Right. That ain't who you are. I was listening to something Dr. Betty said the other night, I mean, on, on Sunday, and she was conveying about how there's a scripture that says, when you go and do your sin, you do your sin carrying Jesus Christ inside of you. And, and it just hit me, you drag Jesus. You drag him. He don't want to go. He don't want to go where you're going. But he made you a promise that he would never what? He would never leave you and never forsake you. And you're not giving him that choice that he's giving you. You drag him. Come on over here and sin with me. Come and hear this mess. Come and watch this movie. Come and do these things. And then afterwards I go. And then hell come into my life. And I go, when you, I, I'm sorry. Give me a break. Give me a break. And you know what? How many times has he given us a break? But one day, time for giving you a break is over. It's time to break you. It's time to change you. And this is where it comes in. Each and every one of us, God have a particular, specialized, specific plan to get your attention to break you. You can resist. And when you look back, this is what glorified God so much. After, when you finally get it, you look back and see all the opportunities you had. Remember the prodigal son? Oh, give me my money. I got to wait till you die to get my money. I want my money now. You don't let me do nothing around here. I want to have some fun. Father said, go ahead. Here's your money. So he went to a will. Far away land, because he didn't want nobody from the church to see him. He went far away. See, y'all don't go to the local clubs. Y'all go to Delaware. <laughs> God will make sure one of your other Christian sinning buddies will be up there in Delaware with you. <laughs> mm -mm. What you doing here? Well, you know, I, <laughs> you know, what you doing here? <laughs> and you get up there and you start to have your little folly. And before you know it, God say, I know what sin does. It does what? Three things, right? What's the first one? Steal, kill, and destroy. So it ain't going to take long for you because you ain't got no wisdom in you. You blow that money. Quit. Then you blew the money. He blew the money, and then what? Then just so happened a famine came. I wonder who could. Are we in control of the famine? Are we in control of, the, of making it rain and, and, and those things? Okay, so, so who's in control? The devil in control of that, right? God saw fit. He said, I want you to get away from the church and go spend your money because I don't want to send this family to the church. I just want to send it to you and all those other evil people up there. And then after a while, 
The Bible says he was so hungry, he got a job feeding pigs. Now, how many know that Jewish people just don't eat pork? But he said he couldn't eat the pork, but what the slop the pigs was eating started to look good to him. Now, now wait a minute, now, hold on. If God had left him there, if God had left him there, because that filth that we be in association with sometimes, if God had let it start looking good to you, because that's the only enjoyment you can get. You don't get no joy because you know the word of God and it's trying to convict you. So you're doing junk over here and getting convicted and you're trying to do God and you want to be over here. And then God said, if I don't do something to you, you will get to liking this mess. But thank be unto God that there was something inside of him that his father had instilled in him and it came up and it said, I came to myself. He said, my daddy got servants that are living better than me. I have sinned. I have sinned and I deserve this. But I'm going to just go home. I don't deserve to be a son no more. I don't deserve to be a good people no more. All I want to do, God, is come home. Father, I'm coming home and I'm going to tell you, I don't deserve to be a son. I just want to serve you. That's what. That glorifies God. That's why when the boy showed up, the father was standing there saying, welcome home, son. I've been waiting for this day. That's all God is looking for us right now. Put your guards down, saints. Put your guards down. You are not going to win against God. He got something for you that you cannot stand. And we often say it, I'm closing there. It might be, you might limp in, one eye, no eye, one ear, whatever it takes. He loves you so much that he will do whatever necessary to bring you back to him. The last thing, I want us to begin to be thermostats and not the mist, I mean, thermometers. <laughs> What are you talking about, Mr. Todd? You, you was doing all right. You tripping there. <laughs> Let me tell you. What does a thermometer do? We had a thermometer hanging up on that wall right now. What could it do? Uh, it can only tell you. It can only reflect what the temperature of the room is. But if you go back to that thermostat and you turn it to a certain dial, the thermostat can not only tell you the temperature, it can set the condition. So we are just... Sometimes. We're just thermometers. Why? All we do is go, man, this sure is bad out there. Them bad people, bad jobs, evil people, homosexuals. That's all we do is just talk about. But God said, I want you to be a thermostat. When you go into a room and it's too hot, set the dial and change the temperature. You got it? Change it. Change it. He gave us that power. We don't just have to reflect what's going on. We can change what's going on. Somebody give God a hand clap. <laughs>